Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jeff, good morning. It is time to record Cut for Time, and you know what? It is Wednesday, and so... Um, people are getting this in real time. We'll see how fast we can turn this over for people. Yeah, awesome. This is fresh, fresh off the, I don't know, whatever, fresh out of the factory. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know how our conversation will, will go considering we're a few more days out from the sermon. Um, mm. So I don't know if you've like at this point pivoted to your next sermon already for the week, you know? Yeah, a little but but still sitting in, uh, yeah, the message from from Sunday. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started. Jeff, why don't you share a summary from your sermon on Sunday? Yeah. So uh, continuing in this uh, series, the God who draws near to us, uh, Jesus had uh, in the last section, we'd seen this power of Jesus demonstrated in controlling the seas and then driving evil spirits out of this man. And, And the response of the people in the town is like, they're just one freaked out. And then there's this economic loss because the demons go into this herd of pigs and over a cliff and the people are like, uh, please leave. So Jesus gets in the boat and crosses over the lake and back to Capernaum, kind of his center of town. And he's there teaching and some friends bring in a paralyzed man, a, a friend of theirs, uh, to bring him to Jesus. And uh, Jesus looks at him and says, take heart, child, your sons, your sins are forgiven. And um, the scribes or religious leaders are grumbling and Jesus discerning their thoughts uh, kind of puts this test in front of them. Is it, yeah, well, why are you angry? Is it easier to say, take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven? Uh, but so that you know that I have authority to forgive sins. Uh, he tells the man to get up and walk and he does. And then the, the scribes are, you know, still kind of grumbling, but the people are just amazed and giving thanks to God that he has given such authority to men, uh, to a man. And so it's, it's really, I think Matthew is compressing this story that we get some other details from, from the other gospel writers to focus on this issue of Jesus authority, Jesus authority, to heal Jesus' authority uh, over the forces of nature, over spiritual evil, and now combining that even more so with authority to forgive sin, which is, of mm-hmm. course, only the prerogative of God. So Jesus is claiming to be God and then demonstrating that he is by simply under his own authority exercising the power to heal this man. Mm-hmm. And so it's a story that's meant to help us see that Jesus has a kind of authority that is good and is for our good. Uh, Jesus uses his authority to heal and transform us. And I mean, that's right in front of us in the story. Uh, and I think it's also Matthew's intending us to think and process through, you know, maybe some of the misunderstandings or apprehensions we have about what it means that God is an authority, right? Like he's king, he's ruler, he's judge. And maybe that raises you know, some discomfort for us. And I think Matthew wants us to see that Jesus is God who enters into our mess and our brokenness to heal and to change us in good ways. 
And and that's good news for all of us. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jeff. Um, all right. So when we were kind of getting ready for our podcast, you mentioned um, probably a question that's just on all of our minds, and it was maybe cut from your sermon for the sake of time, which is just if Jesus and God acted in this way in the time of, you know, the old and the new Testament of these miraculous healings, why is it that we don't see many of these today? Mm. Or it seems like we're not seeing them. Yeah. That's a huge question that would be worthy of maybe like a whole sermon on its own. So uh, we touched on it a little and, and just a few thoughts there. Um, I was really helped in this myself. Uh, Maybe it's in seminary or reading afterwards, but uh, somebody pointing out that really when you think about miracles and healings like this in the Bible, there's really only three very concentrated periods where that happens around uh, the Exodus and entry into the promised land, which was, you know, like 1400 BC. And then the time of the, you know, the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, and uh, guys like that, you know, maybe around seven, 800 BC. And then in the time of Jesus and the apostles, you know, mm-hmm. right, right at the beginning of the modern era you know, 2000 years ago. So it's not like even in the world of the Bible that there's miracles and healings happening all the time. Those seem to really be focused around when God is doing something really unique to advance his purposes in the world. And it's meant to grab people's attention and remind them that God is present and to authenticate the people who are declaring that work that God is doing with and through his people. So one, I think it's, I think it suggests we probably shouldn't expect that God's miraculously going to intervene just, you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I understand why we see it because I mean, the new Testament is, you know, that's kind of the end of scripture for us. Right. And there's all these concentrated stories of miracles and, and it's sort of like it's left hanging there. Right. Like, well, yeah, that should just keep on going, but it didn't keep on going after Moses and Joshua, and it, it didn't keep on going after Elijah and Elisha. And um, I, I think it's meant, again, to authenticate the messenger. It's meant to demonstrate God's goodness and his power and the reality of his kingdom coming in Jesus. But it's also pointing us forward to the kingdom that's still to come. Like, like we have a foretaste, we have a down payment of that kingdom reality in Jesus' presence and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of our sins being forgiven. But we really only have the full reality of those things when Jesus comes again and and when he brings the kingdom in its fullness. And that's when there will be no more sorrow or suffering or sickness or death and no more sin. And we're living in the in-between times where, yeah, God still heals and and God still works in miraculous ways, but it's not like the normal expected experience. And I think we ought to anticipate that what God is doing just as much now is gracing us with the ability to endure and persevere and be a channel of blessing for others. And yeah, to pray and ask for healing. Uh, but to recognize as well that if it doesn't happen, it's not because God's absent or he's not paying attention or he's like changed the rules or we've done something wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's helpful. Thanks, Jeff. So um, my own question for you, as I was listening to your sermon, um, you said that Jesus's authority 
is unlike any other authority figure that we know because mm. his authority is inviting. Um, mm. And mm. there have been times in my life where I feel like though it may be inviting and gracious, um, I do not want to accept that invitation and I would like to rebel. So I'm wondering for you, are there any times in your life where it's been really hard to submit to his authority? And then how did that work itself out? Uh, actually, no. And I'm offended that you would even ask that question, Claire. <laughs> I, you know, everyone who knows me knows I just walk in perfect obedience and total submission to Jesus will all the time. Mm-hmm. Of course not. Uh, yes, obviously. I mean, that's the reality for us, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we want Jesus, but we just struggle with, you know, wanting enough of him to kind of make things work for us. And the tension there between our wills and submitting to God's will, uh, man, I think back, especially, boy, whether it's in marriage or parenting, particularly like when our kids were younger and living at home and we're raising them and maybe they've done something foolish or hurtful to one of their siblings or they've disobeyed us in like some really offensive way. And we need to address that as parents. But, you know, my tendency is to not submit to Jesus in that moment sometimes and just respond with anger and frustration and, you know, kind of blast them. And then having to, you know, step back from that and calm down and get my senses and my bearings and realize like, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not only trying to parent them, I'm trying to model for them what it looks like to graciously and gladly submit to Jesus. And I didn't in my response to them. And so Mm -hmm. there's this frustration of like, but they need to, you know, acknowledge what they did wrong when the reality is, no, I really need to go acknowledge to them how I responded wrongly. And, you know, and I'll wrestle and fight Jesus for a bit. And then, you know, would have to go to my kids and say like, Hey, I was really wrong in the way I responded to you. I got angry and I shouldn't have. And I, and I expressed my anger in an unloving and an unhelpful way. And I need to apologize to you and ask mm-hmm. you to forgive me. And there's, you know, there's a struggle there, right? Cause we don't, I mean, there's a part of us that doesn't like that. And yet there's so much freedom uh, and healing that comes through that. And and my kids then can see me responding to my own sin in a healthy way and submitting to Jesus leadership over me in that. And then it also makes it easier to talk with them about what they did wrong in the first place, because now we're doing it out of a place of both hopefully being submitted to Jesus and wanting to hear what he says to us. But it, it's hard, right? Like I'm, you probably yeah. know that yourself as a, a wife and a mom and a sister and a daughter and all that. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, I can point to specific moments in my life where I've definitely thrown like a tantrum, honestly, (laughs) like I don't want to submit. And I see the same behavior in our, you know, two and four year old, especially our four year old who can throw a tantrum for a really long time, Jeff, like it could be two hours of screaming mm. and it's impressive. It's also <laughs> like, you're like, when will you tire out? Like, like you, you you're really like committed you can... to this. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But you know what? I've been there in my relationship with God where like, I feel like I totally made them go on too long. And um, ultimately though, 
like end up submitting and it's not like a win-lose situation. Like God did not win and I did not lose. It's like a win-win situation, right? Like right. if you can even frame it that way, like God's will is done in my life and everything works for my good. Um, even yeah. if it's hard, even if I don't want to do it or if it's unappealing or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there are more temper tantrums to come. I like, I looking back on my, on those different moments, I know exactly like what I was fighting against. And I'm like, man, why did I fight that? Like that turned out yeah. to be so <laughs> yeah. good or so rich or such an experience that yes. I'm so glad I got to participate in. Um, but man, in the moment, I can really draw it out. So <laughs> yes, yeah. you'd think and, I would and, learn my lesson. You know, your your comment, your observation about, you know, how the tantrum can go on for a while. I mean, I've done that myself and, you know, been on the other side of it, hearing it too. And it also just reminds me again, looking back at parenting, you know, raising kids and realizing like with some of our kids, it was just, you, you step, you try and step back and you realize like, okay, they're so wound up. They're so just like in this experience of emotion or whatever right now that they, they can't hear what they need to hear from me. And I need to one for, you know, for them and for my sake, I need to just acknowledge that and, and not try to make them hear something or respond to something that they're just not in a place to hear or respond to. And, and then it also, again, you know, relates back to my relationship with, my father, right? Like there are times where I'm just not in a place to hear what God needs to say to me. And, and yet he's so patient and so good. And when I come to the point of like graciously, God graciously helping my come to my senses, I can look back. It's like, Oh, thank you, Lord, for being so patient with me. You're good. And what you want from me is good. Even, even though it can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I am not as inviting or as gracious, nowhere near as inviting or as gracious as the Lord is to me. And, um, and so like, I don't also blame Hazel when she wants to like not submit because do I actually like invite her? Do I make it mm. ex easily accessible for her to mm. submit in the same way that it's made for us. Mm. Um, that's just not, I mean, that's just a side note of something that I feel oh. like I'm working through all the time as a parent. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's just a growing area for all of us in all our relationships, right? Yeah, like, you're like right. It's not just parenting. Or it's parenting yeah. or marriage or friendship or work. Like how much of the time, right. you know, can I just realize like, oh, I'm really doing this for my sake. Like mm -hmm. I'm parenting out of, you know, a desire for comfort or convenience, not to heal and help them or in my marriage or in friendships or whatever, sometimes, right. Yeah. It's just when we're really listening and paying attention, you know, God helps us see some of those elements of selfishness and, you know, self-serving and how we use our authority or relationships uh, or, you know, whatever context that is for us, like how much yeah. of it is really about me and what I want and how much of it is really about like what Jesus is doing, using authority and impact in others' lives to heal and to help and to bless them. And that's, mm -hmm. it's humbling and convicting, but it's, you know, again, ultimately encouraging because that's who God is for us. And, yeah. and that's what he helps us grow to be more. Yep. Like. Definitely. So it's just, it's this beautiful picture that changes how I 
think about God's authority in my life. Cause he's, I mean, again, I think that's why Jesus starts with that reassurance to this man. Like God's not angry at you. He's not disappointed. He's not punishing you. He loves you. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to know that, you know, this difficulty, this trial that you're going through kind of circling back to what you were asking before is not because God's mad. It's not because he's punishing you for something. Now, you know, sometimes we make stupid choices and we suffer consequences, but if Jesus really has taken all of God's wrath for us, going through hard times is not evidence that God's angry or disappointed or frustrated because he's kind and gracious and patient. And yeah. wow, what an, what an awesome authority mm-hmm. figure to have in our lives. Yeah, really. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for this conversation. It's been yeah. um, good for me and I hope that others mm-hmm. are appreciated as well. Yeah, thanks. It's always good. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.